Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Uh, I, I am excited. But one of the things we've been doing here in, in, at Pacific Point is talking about cultural events. It's important that the church knows and the church is aware of what's happening in our culture. So this week, I, I, there's, there's three bills that are in the House that are just passed and heading to the Senate that you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of. The first one is AB665. It just passed. And it allows the removal of children from 12 years up without parents or without a court order for, for the parents. They can come in. If a teacher, if a psychiatrist in that school deems that your kid is whatever and you're not supporting, they can come and take your child away from you. That's scary. Now do your homework and look at these things. This is what's happening. Culture, I'm telling you, culture in the church. The church needs to know what's happening. We need to be praying. We need to be active. We need to take stands. AB 957, and it passed, would require any judge in California family court to factor into divorce the custody disputes if parents offer affirm, affirmation for a child's gender identity. In other words, Adam, this, this man here, didn't ident- he didn't affirm his child's identity, so the judge automatically takes the kid out of his house and he has no further argument. This is happening. This is in the state of California, AB 1078. Don't tell me the church isn't supposed to be political, okay? If you have a problem with the church being political, political, then you're missing the boat. We need to pray and we need to take a stand. AB 1078 passed. Would remove the powers of local school boards have over curriculum taught in their school district by requiring the school district to receive approval from the State Board of Education. What does that mean? Local, Orange County, local, Costa Mesa, Newport um, uh, uh, school district has to do whatever the state says in their district. They cannot deviate from what the capital, from what the education, uh, the, the ones who run the education in the state of California say. They cannot deviate at all from it. They have to do exactly what they're told to do. Be praying. Now, this is, uh, this is amazing quote to me. Republican uh, in the state Senate, in our Senate, um, Senator Scott said this. In the past, when we've had these discussions, and I've seen parental rights atrophied, I've encouraged people to keep fighting. He added, I've changed my mind on that. If you love your children, you need to flee California. This is our state senator. Now, I, I'm not leaving. She's asked me to leave the state many a times, regularly. When can we go to Texas? When can we go to Tennessee? And, and I would love to. I could, you know, afford a house and, and land and all that stuff. But God has called us here to fight. I, I don't have a release to go anywhere. Therefore, church, if, if God has called you to be here, he's called you to be a part of what's happening culturally, and you need to pray. And you need to, you need to email our senators, and you need to stand, and you need to believe. 
because our rights are deteriorating right before our eyes, and it has to do with our children. It has to do with our children. All right, culture and church, there you go. Um, that's, uh, and I'll do that randomly throughout you know, Sundays, just so we're, I think we, we need to know what's going on here. I want to welcome you this morning and, and, and talk a little bit about next. What, this thing called next, what is the good life and, and next? What does that, that look like? Let's read the scripture in Matthew 16, and it says this. And, and you've heard this scripture before. People talk about it all the time, and it's, it's you know, nothing new. But I, I want you to think about it in a new light today, this morning says this, and Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or shall a man Give in return for his soul. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time today. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I just pray for clarity. Lord, I pray that I'd be clear in my thoughts. Holy Spirit, that you would speak. God, we pray that that you would uh, speak to us this morning. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. What does that mean when Jesus says this, and, and, and it's a pretty profound statement, and, and we like to read this, and we'll just kind of read over it without really, really thinking through. What, what is Jesus saying here? What does it mean, come after me? What is he talking about? Deny yourself. What does it mean to take up your cross and follow me? All pretty strong uh, uh, statements that Jesus is making, pretty emphatic when he states these things. But when we read it, we just kind of like to read through these things. You know what it means? It means what's next. It means next. What's coming next? Far too many Christians never experience next in their relationship with Jesus. Let me say that again. Far too many Christians in the church in America today never experience the next of Jesus. What they experience, what we experience, is this encounter, this emotional encounter with Jesus, and it just kind of sits and stays right there. And that's not what Jesus has for us. There's this great chasm between, between a, a, a salvation and the moment that we come into this relation. What is salvation? Saved by grace through faith. It's this, this grace which is unmerited favor. You can do nothing to receive it. God gives you salvation through his son and the blood of Jesus, okay? Very clear there. There's this, but there's this great divide between that moment of salvation and what God calls us to next as Christians. And, and, and we wonder and we ask questions, and I talk about it regularly. We ask questions like, why isn't the church making more of an impact? Why is the world making more of an impact than the church is? Why are we seeing these things with our children? What is going on here? Because there's this great divide between the moment of coming into a relationship with Jesus and what he calls us to next. Why? Why is that? It's because we don't understand scriptures really well. Next week, I'm, I'm excited. We're going to uh, jump into the book of Ephesians, and we're going to spend 12 weeks. How many weeks, Luke? 12 weeks and, and just, uh, just go through that book. You know, Some people go through it. It takes them a year. We're, gonna, we're speedy, okay? So we're going to go through it in 12 weeks. But, but 
and, and one of the reasons that we go from a topical message like this one to, to Ephesians and, and the book of Ephesians is I think there's a balance. I think you need to go through book to book, which is expository teaching, which is very good. And if you've ever been to Calvary, they're straight expository. It's just go for a book and they'll go for 10 years through one book and it's good. But I also think that, that God speaks and, and there's messages that need to be preached that aren't, you know, uh, straight through the book. Now, the reality is this, the, 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 good, the, the Bible and God's word is sufficient as it is and as it preaches. But, but um, we are going to kick off this next week, so I'm really excited and hopefully you'll be there. But the reason that, that this next doesn't happen so many times in the church is that we don't understand his word, John 1, 14. And it says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is critical. This passage changes everything in the world. This passage takes all the Jews who had been waiting for the Messiah, and they were, they were, the word was just on their, you know, they, they owned this word. They owned the Torah. They knew the Ten Commandments. They absolutely had it down. But what they didn't have was the grace that came through the embodiment of Christ Jesus. See, there, there, truth and grace and flesh and word, Jesus and, and, and this flesh and word is so beautifully tied together, intrinsically tied together. And, and, and we as a church, we, we separate them. And we, we have no problem standing on the truth, the truth of the word side and going, you're going to hell, you're sin, or judging people. And all the while, we miss this other side of grace or the flesh that Jesus embodied that would love people well. It's the two coming together. It's the word and flesh. It's grace and truth. Grace and truth are meant to be lived, seen, touched, smelled, tasted. It's sensory. Grace and truth. Here, here, you want to know what the problem in the church is? We just have truth. And when you just talk to people uh, about what you're doing wrong and, and, and those type of things and there's no grace, who wants to deal with that? They don't have the fullness of who Jesus is. Full of grace and full of truth. Too many times in the church, we're offended by these words that Jesus speaks. I mean, think about this, really. What, deny yourself? I don't want to deny myself. I kind of like myself. I'm a great guy. Come on, it's funny. It really is. Landed on deaf ears. But, you know, we think those things. Take up your cross. Who wants to take the cross up? Who wants to pick up their cross and walk with it? Come after me. That one's a little easier. Follow me. Jesus is making these definitive statements to those who say that they are Christians. Those who have said, I, I want to follow you, Jesus. And he says this. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever's grasping for stuff, for money, for power, whoever's grasping for life, he says they will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake 
In other words, whoever denies himself, whoever takes up his cross, whoever comes after me, whoever follows me, those, those are the ones that, that give it away. Those are the ones that will find me. I mean, think about it. Life, when you're, you're out there in the real world, everybody's grasping for what they can have. Everybody's going after their stuff. Jesus says, it's the opposite in the scriptures. It's different. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we grasping? What are we going after in our lives? Is it time? Oh, I can't do the small groups because I don't have time. I can come to church twice a week because that's as much time as I can give you. Twice a month. Dear Lord, if you guys came twice a week, I would, I would have a heart attack. If I came twice a week, I'd have a heart attack. <laughs> We're grasping for them. What are we grasping for? Relationship? Relationships that you're in that aren't going the way that you wanted them to go? Are we grasping for that money? If only I could have a little bit more. If only there was a little bit more, everything would be good. Are we grasping for our sins? I like my little sin. Am I grabbing a hold of my little sin? Am I holding on to my little pet sin? Because I'm comfortable in it. Everybody's grasping. Jesus says you got to let go. For far too many of us, we're holding on to the ticket and we have missed the next. What's the ticket? The ticket to heaven. Who doesn't want to spend eternity in heaven? Well, let me reverse that. Who wants to spend eternity in hell? If hell is true, I happen to believe it is. There is a literal place called hell as described in this Bible. It's hot. It's long. It's the absence of God. No God, there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no patience, there's no kindness, there's no forgiveness, there's no grace, there's no mercy. It's the absence of God. God is not in that place. It is misery. It is, it is deception. It is pain and it is suffering. And, and, and far too many of us like that ticket. That means we don't go to hell. But we have no idea what the next is. It, it's the misunderstanding of our ticket that is the problem. As Romans 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. That's true. That's scripture. That's, that's a confession that's being made. But here's the thing. Salvation is that. It's a confession that Jesus is Lord. Now, when you make that confession that Jesus is Lord, and you say, Jesus, I want you to pay for my sins. I don't want to pay for my sins. By the blood of Jesus that was shed at the cross, he covers our sins. But that proclamation that you make, what does it say? It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. When you make that proclamation, Jesus is Lord, what does it mean? It means this, and this isn't very comfortable, that Jesus is the ruler of your whole life, that Jesus is the boss of your life. Oh boy, getting quiet. That he's the master of your whole life. See, you, you can't have this Lord part and, and him, because the very word Lord means that you're submitted everything to him. Let's, let's take the natural and the spiritual and run parallel. Uh, I like it unto a parent and their children. My children are getting older, leaving the house. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, I'm just kidding. They move across the street, so it's not even like they left. 
I love it. And I've used this analogy before. This is what the kingdom looks like for many of us as Christians. It looks like my child when they were four telling me how life works. See, here's the deal. If this is true, I say if, I believe it's true. But I want to give some of you the benefit of the doubt that are going, ah, I'm not so sure this thing is true. Okay. I believe, happen to believe it is the true word of God. If this is true, and what it should do for you, those of you who do believe it's the word of God, okay, what, what it should do is it should, it should crystallize the, the fact that, that, <laughs> that Jesus is Lord of your life. So back to my analogy. Um, it would be like, for many of us Christians, my four-year-old telling me how life is. Because they all did. My, my four and five-year-olds would tell me how life works. They would try to tell me how, where we should eat and what we should eat, when we should eat, when we should go to bed, how we should do this, what we should do. All the time, kids are telling, my five kids are telling me how life is. Now, I, I, am, I, I am not uh, nowhere near have the knowledge of God, but I have some common sense to be able to look at them and go, no, stupid. I never said that out loud. I just, I just, no, that's son. That's not, you can't see son. Your mind as a four or five year old is limited in the capacity to see what you need, what is good, what is right. And, and, and God looks at us as Christians and we go, I don't, I'm not going to give you my whole life. And I'm like, I say to my children, I say, trust me in this. Trust me when I say you do this, you will be better off. Trust me when I say you don't need this, son. Trust me that when I say no, it's for the betterment of you. Trust me that I know what's best for our family. Now, that's a fallen, fallible father. But when we look at God, the creator of heaven and earth, who's omniscient, omnipotent, who is, who's all-knowing, and he tells us no, or he tells us yes, or he puts parameters around our life, or asks us to trust in him. How much more important is that? Uh, but I, I, you want my whole life? Acts 2.36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Savior. You can't have the ticket to heaven without the lordship issue being resolved. This is the Jesus whom you crucified. You know what they're saying there? They're saying that your sin and mine put Jesus on the cross. I love the way that, that Peter does this. Because he goes, you guys put Jesus on the cross. But you want to know the good news? The good news is this. That he's Lord and Savior. See, the problem is some of us don't believe that our sin put Jesus on the cross. We think your sin put him on the cross, but not ours. He's either Lord of all or not at all. There's no in between. Now, that's the reality. We all struggle because we are human and fallible, finite. We, you know, where we jump in. Oh, God, you can have all of it, you know. And then we come over here and we're just grasping for it. Or, oh, God, I'm going to wait for that perfect wife or that perfect husband. And then we get over here, swipe right, swipe right, swipe right. And then we go... That's fine. That was, a, that was a contextual joke that I, as a married man who's 57, should not be able to tell. But I did because I know what's going on with all of you out there. Um, 
we go, oh God, you know what? I'm going to give my 10% at church. And then, and then, oh God, I got this bill. I'm not going to trust you because, yeah. And it, we, we all do that on some level. But this walk that we're walking in is towards, okay, okay God, I, I don't understand. And I don't know that I trust, but I, I'm going to give it to you. This, this, these words that Jesus speaks, you know, this statement, Lord of all or not all, it, it offends us. It offends our very being to our core. It's offensive when the pastor gets up and say, give 10%, which I hardly ever do. But when I do, oh, you'd have thought, you know. It's offensive when the pastor says, you know, stay pure. You're like, oh, you don't know what it's like. You've been married for 27 years. I, I remember. This is why they walked away from Jesus in Scripture. Because Jesus would draw some lines in the sand. John 6, 6, 6, which is appropriate, I guess. <laughs> at, this, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Why did they turn away? Because they heard the truth. And the truth didn't really settle really well in their soul. Because Jesus says, I want all of you. Let me give you another analogy. What, and I've used this one too, so bear with me. When do we get June 22nd? Thank you. 96? Boom, got it. June 22nd, 1996. At the Crystal Cathedral, I stood up there and said, I do to her. Okay, let's go into the spiritual here. When did you get saved? What? June 13th, 1991. Because I don't remember the moment because I grew up in... But 1991, Chris said to Jesus, I do. Let's go back to the natural. What if on uh, June 22nd, 1996, I said I do? And over the next couple of days, weeks, months... I live my life like I don't. I live my life as a single man. I live my life, eh, I'm going to still date a little bit. Eh, I'm going to still do this a little bit. Would, would anybody in here go, gosh, that sounds wise. <laughs> would anybody in here go, oh. No, you go, how could you, do, why would you do this to this woman? Why would you stand up there, make a commitment to her on the altar, and then on, on the next breath, you're like, ah, it doesn't really mean anything. Let's go back to the spiritual. What was that date again? June 13th, she says yes to Jesus. What, what if June 14th or August 20th, she goes, ah, that Jesus thing, ah, I don't really believe that, you know. It doesn't make sense, does it? Grace, the grace side of it is, look, we're sanctification becoming more like Jesus. We're all walking in this. But if I can do this in marriage, why, why can't we do this in our relationship with the Lord? If it's, very, if it's that important, this covenant that I made with her in marriage is so important, the creator of heaven and earth, and I make a covenant with him, and it's not that important. What's next? <coughs> Why they or we? I say they because 
because uh, Jesus was talking to the Jews of the time and, 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 and wanted them to repent. And, but why they are, why are we offended by this? Why, why are we offended by these words? I, we're offended by it because it, it grades in, in, against everything we are. I don't need to be told what to do. I, I am my own man, my own woman. I can do whatever I want. How's that working out? If, if we want to take that to the, to the progressive end, if this Bible is true, which I happen to believe it is, if we want to take that to the end, here's how God works. He's a gentleman. When we die, because you do know we're all going to die someday. It's inevitable. When we die and we stand before God, and, and he says, you know, hey, um, depart from me. And you go, whoa, 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 wait a second. What do you mean depart from me? And he goes, I want to give you what you asked for. You won't be able to say, no, 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 Lord. He'll go, I don't know if he shows you a video screen of all the times and the rewind, rewind, which would be hell in and of itself. Other times you go, I don't really need you, God. I don't really need you, Jesus. I got this all under control. See, you may think you have it under control here and you may have it under control here. In the world's eyes, you may have things just happening. But the problem with that is at some point we all die and if God is God and he is just then we have to give an account for what we did and who we are otherwise he wouldn't be just and we have to stand before him and, and when you come into this relationship with Jesus you stand before him and I, I, would, I will guarantee you your, your head will be down in humility and he'll say when you have a relationship with Jesus, my son's blood has covered your sin. Pull your head up. And you can look me in the eyes. I, natural and spiritual, my children, you know, it, it's like when, when they would do something and, and then they repent and they, you know how children get they're like, oh, I'm sorry. The job of the parent is once they say sorry, you're forgiven. And pull their head up and look them in the eyes. That's what Jesus will do. And, and the reason we're offended by this is because here in this moment of time, because it is only a moment of time, I want to be in control of my life. I don't want some God telling me what to do. You have every right. But know this. It is accounted, the Hebrew says, for every man to die and then stand judgment. We've got to give an account. So how do we digest this truth? We walk in truth and grace. We walk in word and flesh, as Jesus said. What, what, here's my question to you. What does your salvation mean to you? Is it the end or is it just the beginning? Because when we come into this relationship with Jesus, it should just be the beginning of, of this beautiful revelation and, and, and intimacy with the creator of heaven and earth. So, What's next then? Other than the bouncy house and tacos. What am I asking specifically today? I want to try to be, as, as, as I preach on Sundays, I want to try to be clear on, on what I, I'm asking. In other words, I don't want you to walk out of here and go, what was that all about? Or oh, that was nice, but what did he want? I, I want to be clear about what God is asking of me, what he's asking of us. What am I asking specifically today? To look and ask, 
What is your next step? Baptism, for some of you, maybe you haven't been baptized. And, and, and it's a denying of yourself. Oh, I don't want to go in the cold water and be baptized and everybody watch. Deny yourself. Jesus said, I'll recognize you in front of, of the Father if you recognize me in front of men. Maybe your next step is life groups. Look, I, I don't think that they're an option. Life happens in these groups. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Come after me, Jesus says. How does Jesus want us to come after him? He wants us to come after him in groups of people. He wants us to go together as, 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 as a, a group of men and women who worship together, who stand with each other, who cry with one another, who laugh with one another, who are there for one another. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step, God forbid, is helping in children's church. You want to talk about taking up your cross? Get back there and work with those kids. I, I'm asking. I need men and women who are going, look, I'll give up a Sunday once every six, eight weeks to go serve these kids. Maybe it's discipling someone. It's not really a, a, a choice if you're a Christian. He says, come follow me. Maybe it's to start giving. Maybe your next step is to go, okay, I'm going to deny myself and my extra lattes so that I can give. Maybe it's commit to be at church each week and make it a priority and not plan baby showers on Sunday mornings, children's birthdays on Sunday mornings. Yes, that ticks me off. Just being real. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe for someone in here, you're like, I haven't really heard that message before. I want eternal life, and I know it only it comes through repentance. Because Jesus has come after me. Maybe the next step for someone is forgiveness. There's someone that you're holding something against that you need to forgive. For each one of us, there's, it, it, when we come into this relationship with Jesus, there's a next step. In the same way, when I came into relationship with this woman, there's a next step. It's the same for, what am I asking you to do? I'm asking us to move beyond our ticket to heaven and move into uh, 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 deeper waters with Jesus. Deeper relationship with Jesus. That, that's what I'm asking as a church. You know what I guarantee you will happen? If, if we preach this message, this church will stay relatively small. It doesn't sell in the big seats. Lay down your life. Die to yourself. It doesn't sell well. And it says many walked away from Jesus on that day. <laughs> you you got to look in the mirror. But what I do know is this. That I walk in peace. That doesn't mean I don't have bad days. I have a lot of bad days. But I walk in peace and assurance of knowing who Jesus is. Knowing that I have hope. Yep. Knowing that this isn't it. And if this is it, 
this is it. There's so much more. And whether you're dealing with relationships, or you're dealing with sickness, or you're dealing with finances, or you're dealing with relatives, or what, that, 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 that God and his son Jesus brings the hope. I'm asking you to be a disciple of Jesus, not just someone that comes to church. I'm asking you to take the covenant commitment that you made with the creator of heaven and earth, and I'm asking you to go, let's go a little deeper in it and actually have relationship with him. Why? Because of others. See that grace and truth that Jesus talked about in John 1.14? See, it wasn't about him. It was about others. See, you're the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and that grace, as grace flows from your life, as you show people grace and you show people mercy and you love people well, they experience the creator of heaven and earth. It, 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 this grace and truth is to flow through us, not stop with us. It's to go forth so that your co-workers, so that your husband or your wife or your kids or your neighbors or, or the guy at Taco Bell experiences Jesus. It's not about you. Taste, see, smell, and experience Jesus. And, and if the next step is baptism, someone will be there and they'll see the grace and truth of Jesus in your life as you go in that water. If the, if the next one is life group, I guarantee you here's what's going to happen. If you'll commit to going to a life group one night a week for, I think it's an hour and a half. If you'll commit to those relationships, what you'll see is God's grace and truth flowing through others, into others, out of you, into others. And you'll build a community of people that you'll be able to walk with, that you'll be able to pray with, that you'll be able to stand with, that you'll call friends. If, if the next step is helping in children's church, I'm telling you, I joke about it, but what's going to happen is you're going to get back there and you're going to see some little kid's face light up or some little kid get it and grace, the grace of God's going to flow through you and the truth of this word is going to go forth and who knows if that's not the seed that is planted that will change that kid's life forever. And you have the opportunity. If it's discipling someone, grace goes forth and truth goes forth. If it's giving and, and, and that grace and truth is like, oh God, I'm scared. I don't want to give. And, and, and we look at God's word. The truth of God's word says you can't outgive him. If it's commitment to the church each week, grace and truth is this. What are you telling your children if you have families? That priority is Jesus and we're going to be there every week. What are you telling your spouse that the priority is Jesus and the community that he's called us to and I'm going to be there every week? If it's repentance, grace just flows because the truth is this, that God says is, that he takes your sin and, he, and, and when you repent, he throws them as far as the east as the west and he remembers them no more and you're forgiven and you walk in freedom. If it's forgiveness, God's grace to walk you through because someone has offended and hurt you. The truth of the word is this, that God will walk you through in, in, uh, any situation to help you out of it and bring hope. See, grace and truth are meant to be smelled. Grace and truth are meant to be tasted. Great grace and truth are experienced not just spoken words.
And if the church will do that, change the world. It'll change the world. Jesus did it with 12 men. There were 2 billion people that follow Jesus today. Let's just start with our neighborhood. Eh, let's just start with our family. Eh, let's just start with us. <laughs> and let's see where it goes and what God does. John 1:14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace and full of truth. As the band comes up, I wanna pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. Lord, I thank you for your son Jesus and who he is. God, that, that he gives life, Father. Lord, that, that he's called us not just to be quote unquote Christians, but to be fruit that others eat and experience. Lord, I pray that this church, Lord, with 20, 50, or 120, Lord, that we would hold the truths of this word and we would truly be disciples of Christ Jesus and we would love each other well, Lord. And let us be a light outside of this place. God, I pray that as, as you, Holy Spirit, convict whomever in here of, of the next steps that you would, Lord, I thank you that you will help them walk it out. God, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you today, as we saw in your scripture, it says this, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, it says we will be saved. If you pray that prayer, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, I want you to be Lord of my life. The Bible says that today is the day that you are.